welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, our guest is Derek Dobker, a rock guitarist, serial entrepreneur, and seven times number one best-selling author. Derek discovered a proven process that took him from struggling author to selling over 50,000 books. Listen up carefully to this program because Derek is going to share this process with you so you can turn your writing into a thriving business. Derek, we're so happy to have you on the Skill Bites show today. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. Oh, it's our pleasure. Can you start off by giving us a little bit about your background? I understand you went from eating fast food every day and hating exercise to being in great shape, starting your own businesses, eating healthy. Tell us how you did that. Tell us about your journey. Yeah, so that's, that was the start of my fitness journey, and as an author – those were the, the first books I started to write was on what I discovered about health and fitness. Uh, but the ultimate, I guess you could say pattern with, with all this is going through my own challenges, struggles, making a lot of mistakes, and then learning through that processes to help other people. So the, the details of that, I, as anyone heard from the bio, uh, I didn't imagine I'd be an entrepreneur. I never imagined I'd be a writer or an author, or be doing anything that I'm doing right now. Because when I graduated from high school, I like I know what my, my mission in life is. I know I, I have one clear purpose, and that is to go and become a rock star. So I went to school for music, got a degree in music composition uh, from Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. And I even remember as I was going through school, something that I, I think many other creatives can relate to is – I just wanted to write music and I just wanted to perform. I had no interest in the business side of things. So the whole being an entrepreneur, uh, CEO, marketing, sales, anything with that world, I had wanted nothing to do with. So it's interesting how I got into actually, you know, being a serial entrepreneur of all things. And that is after I graduated, I moved out to Los Angeles to pursue my dreams of becoming a rock star. And like many people who pursue music uh, or, or the arts, I was broke. So I slept on an air mattress for a couple years. And I even remember, I think it was probably seventh or eighth grade at some sort of job fair thing. I, I told, told the retired principal, like, yeah, I want to become a you know, rock guitarist. He's like, yeah, you're going to become a, a starving artist if you do that. And I guess I had the attitude like, okay, if someone tells me I can't do something, then I'm going to like, I'm going to prove them wrong. But here I am, basically being a starving artist in Los Angeles, and I, at the time, had gotten into health and fitness. I had gotten um, – went from eating fast food every single night to getting in great shape. I helped a friend lose over 60 pounds, and so I had a lot of people coming to me for health and fitness advice. And I also discovered at this time the idea that you can – if you're an expert, if you know about – on a topic, people will pay you for your knowledge. And that could be creating information products or YouTube videos, blogging. 
so I started doing all those things. I created a product, started a YouTube channel, and even published my, my first Kindle book in the middle of 2012. When I published that first book on Kindle, uh, right out of the gate, published it, launched it, and then got about three sales from it. And one of those sales uh, was to my mom. So I don't, you know, I, I saw that and I go, okay, clearly I'm missing something here. Uh, either this doesn't work, but I see other people who are successful. So what's, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my approach? Why are all these courses and these podcasts that I'm listening to and these things not working for me? And it got especially frustrating. I remember one time I'm looking through my apartment uh, for something to sell just to pay the rent that month. And I had my prize music keyboard from college. I look over, I see it, and I go, okay, I, I got to pay the rent. So I didn't have much other choice than to sell it on Craigslist. I watched the guy walk out with the keyboard under his arm. And at this time, I'm thinking, you know, this is what I get for going after my dreams. No matter how hard I try, I always feel like I'm on the edge of a breakthrough that never quite comes. And what helped me get through that, the reason I'm even sharing this is, it's for anyone else who's had a, you know, challenges in their business might be going through that, is fortunately I was doing enough personal development that I was able to, you know, A, be grateful to even be pursuing my dreams, and B, remind myself this is all part of my before and after story. This will be what I need to go through in order to inspire others and to learn the lessons that I need to learn to ultimately become successful in business as an entrepreneur, which turned out to be the case because after another several months continuing to invest in my education, I went to a seminar and that's where I learned about influence and relationships. And within a few weeks after attending that seminar, I had an idea for a new book. I wrote the book, launched it. And at the time I'm a broke valet Parker and this book then skyrockets to number one in weight loss on Amazon. And it generates almost $6,000 in royalties in 11 days, wow. which would take me months <laughs> to make that kind of money in uh, you know, valet parking cars. So at that moment, it hit, it hit number one, and I had already set the intention. I go, okay, I finally figured this out. I finally you know, got the missing pieces in there. And I knew I'm going to teach other authors what I had learned. So that was December of 2012. In 2013, I started coaching authors, created a training course called Kindle Bestseller Secrets. And ever since then, I've been working with authors. I've published now seven books that have all become number one bestsellers. And the reason, again, for sharing this story is, you know, A, some people want to know who they're learning from, but I hope anyone listening to this realizes that I wasn't particularly talented for it. I didn't have a natural knack for it. I didn't go to school for it. It's something that it's not talent, it's technique. It's a system. When you have the system and the right processes, you can repeatedly, with a level of predictability, publish a book and be fairly certain that it will become a bestseller. And I don't mean bestseller like you sell three copies in some obscure category. I mean like legitimately sell hundreds of thousands of copies, position yourself as an expert, and then, of course, use that to sell your products, your services, get leads for your business, get on podcasts, get on stages, and whatever else you want to do. Having that book was the breakthrough moment, as I'm sure many people listening to this understand, because you know they're part of your community. 
that's what positions you as the expert, as the authority, and it opened up all the other doors for me after that. Wow, great. Well, I definitely want to get more into that. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about some of your businesses. Um, you've got uh, Influencing Millions, Global Change Accelerator. You're an NLP coach, uh, business consultant and speaker. You're a book coach. How do you even do all of that? Hmm. Well, a lot of it is you know, if you think about, oh, it's all these different things, to me, it's not, it's not uh, different stuff. It's like one thing, you know, to me. So like, um, let's take NLP. NLP to me is learning about the psychology of influence. And I'm not, I think there's some great stuff in NLP. I think there's some stuff that I question in NLP. And I'm constantly studying human psychology. And I, I think it's important for any entrepreneur, anyone in business, there's one thing that no matter what you're doing in business, no matter what your position is, one key skill that applies to everything that you're doing, and that is the ability to influence, the ability to influence yourself, to take action, the ability to influence others, motivate and inspire others, whether that's employees, whether that's freelance people that you're working with, and of course, whether that's prospects that you influence to become customers. So that applies to everything. And I think that's at the heart of a lot of what I'm, I'm passionate about in studying is influence and persuasion and psychology. That's, that's all really kind of one thing which I study to apply myself and then to teach others. So when it came to health and fitness, for instance, I wasn't as interested. I'm not like the diet expert person, right? There's plenty of researchers and people out there way smarter than I am about that sort of stuff. I'm not the, the exercise physiology guy. I am the create habits, change your mindset and create habits. And what I learn about that, I go, wait a second. That's what I do in health and fitness, but it's the same thing when I'm helping an author create a writing habit or a writing ritual. And the mental obstacles and the fears that show up for uh, you know, helping a person break through that, whether it's for starting a business, whether it's for getting into an exercise program, whether it's for... I'm going to put a book out there and expose myself to the world, and I'm freaked out by that. Like, I go, it's, it's all these same patterns of human nature and behavior that show up in all these different areas. So it's studying different fields and being able to combine it together. But at the end of the day, it really is that ability to relate to others, to connect with others, and to move and inspire people into ultimately creating a change for the better in the world. Wow. Great. So – there are an awful lot of people out there who have gone on a zillion diets, my husband included. How do you teach them to change their mindset and create habits so that they don't have that yo-yo effect? So one of the reasons for the yo-yo effect is, and I'm going to say one of the most cliche things that, that you can say, and that is, I guess it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. And, of course, we all have a diet that we're on, but the idea of, of it being a lifestyle. So when I look back at the start of my journey, and this, I didn't realize what I was doing, but there's actually a really um, – there's a deep psychology of what was taking place when I made a shift from eating fast food every single night. I wanted nothing to do with health and, and fitness and exercise and stuff. And I remember my mom, like one night, like I didn't get McDonald's. My mom's like, you're going to eat this salmon that I made. And I just like refused to eat it. I like ate a couple bites. I'm like, I'm not eating this just out of rebellion against the idea of eating healthy. 
well, then how was it that I went from that to being like refusing to eat fast food or any junk food and like I got to eat healthy? I became a total health nut. And there's a couple things that happened. The catalyst, and there might have been a few factors, but one really high impact thing was I read a book. And in this book, I learned about the impact that, let's say, junk food, trans fats, things like that was having on, on my body. And it became real. It went from an abstract idea of stuff that's unhealthy, and I'm like, what does that even mean, to, oh, this is damage that I'm doing to my body. I understand it now. This is why I don't have the energy I want. This is why my skin is constantly breaking out. This is why I'm gonna, I would age, be aging faster. And you know, I'm 17 at the time, but I'm thinking about you know, how I'm going to look when I'm older or whatever. So that was the first thing is I got the, the why, the understanding of it. And then the second thing, and this is what's, what gets to the heart of the psychology, is I go, I ask myself this question. Who do I want to be? And that's a different level than just what do I want to have or what do I want to do? It's not just I want to have a six-pack. It's not just that I want to eat healthier. It's who do I want to be? Who do I want to show up in this world as? And not just right in that moment, but I was projecting 10 years into the future. When I was going, who, what is my ideal self? Who, who are they? Who is this ideal version of Derek, this potential that I know that I have? And I thought, it's not going to be someone who's eating junk food all the time, who who's, doesn't have energy and is in a good shape and all that. And by the way, I wasn't overweight. I was actually underweight. So it was the desire wow. to actually put on some, some more, uh, more muscle. And so – when I asked myself that question, who do I want to be? It just didn't match with my current behaviors. And so I chose to change my identity. When you work at an identity level, then the behaviors and actions and things from that follow typically from our behavior. Now it works both ways. You can change your actions and that can influence your identity. But early on, I said, who do I want to be? So I'd invite anyone listening to this in whatever context, whether that's health and fitness or in business, like, who do you want to be? Who do you want to show up as? And that can be a very powerful way to influence your behavior and, and create more of a lasting change versus, oh, I'm just going to go on this diet so I can get some sort of outcome or, or whatever. That can come and go, but your identity, especially when you can shift it, that will tend to remain much stronger when you identify, I am someone who takes care of my health. I am someone who respects my body. I am someone who loves myself enough that, yeah, I might have the occasional treat. I certainly, I mean, I have all kinds of treats every now and then, but generally speaking, I am someone who is going to take care of my body. And as a result, a lot of the behaviors follow. And there's uh, one quick practical tip for anyone listening. There's some research done. And what they found was when it came to uh, overcoming temptation, all people had to do was change one word. And the success rate uh, almost doubled in terms of being able to avoid something like, let's say it was chocolate cake. So if people said to themselves, I can't have chocolate cake. Out of that group, you know, 30-something percent of them were successful and, and, and avoiding the temptation of the chocolate cake. But they told another group to say something different. For this group, they said, I don't eat chocolate cake. And maybe that's, I don't eat chocolate cake more than once a week or whatever. But in this case, it's just, I don't do this thing. Now, instead of it feeling like a restriction, it was something that was more about their identity and who they are. 
And that group was successful. I think it was somewhere in the 60 something percent of the time. So that simple change, I can't to I don't, going from restriction to an empowered choice and an identity, that doubled the success rate of that group. And it, sometimes it's all it takes are these simple little shifts in your, in your, in your language and then which influences your mindset to create these types of changes. Wow. So what was the first book that, that you read that gave you these insights? It was called The Wrinkle Cure. Wrinkle Cure, T-I-E-R? C-U-R-E. Oh, Cure. I'm sorry. The Wrinkle Cure. Huh. Okay. And then um, you've got some books, some diet books as well, or some, I should say, some lifestyle books. Which book would yeah. you recommend of yours on that subject? For, uh, what I've done is I've synthesized a lot of the research and broken it down into the book, The Healthy Habit Revolution. What I do is, you know, if you're anything like me, uh, if you're a busy entrepreneur, you don't want to sift and sort through all this research. So I took it all and I condensed it into five-minute-a-day uh, chapters and action steps. So it takes all the research and it takes you in a, a 21-day step-by-step process where you can create better habits through the process. So, for instance, there's one day that's you know going to work on um, creating a micro commitment, uh, which we can get into that if you want. There's another day that's then about setting up your environment. There's another day that's about uh, creating accountability. All the research and evidence-based strategies for behavior change are incorporated one day at a time. So, you know, if you want to read about all that stuff, you can. But if you want someone to just kind of spoon feed it to you day by day. That's what I uh, did in that book, and I, that has been uh, one of my most popular books, and it was a gold medal winner, award winner uh, for Reader's Favorite. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now, you said you, you talked about how you struggled with your first book. Tell us a little bit about that, and uh, what, what are some of the mistakes that you made, whether it's that first book or even some of the other ones, that knowing now you can – tell other people, don't do this or do it this way instead? So I had, as you say, I had two first books. Uh, they, they were kind of the same book, but the first book actually didn't publish on Amazon. It was, uh, it was called Excuse for Fitness, and it was this 350-page monster of a guide to basically everything I knew about health and fitness. I tried to sell that on my own, and I had a few friends and family uh, get it, but it was, it was frustrating because there was a name-your-own-price, and I had people who were like, congratulations, great job. I'm like, <laughs> but they didn't buy it. I'm like, they could buy it for a dollar, and they didn't. So I'm like, how can I not even sell this thing for a dollar? Uh, that was my first uh, you know, taste of failure. I mean, yes, there was some success, and then I actually sold some copies, but I realized like, Clearly, there's more to this marketing thing than I had to figure out. So that first lesson mistake was I didn't truly fathom how to market a book. Now, that's an abstract answer. Uh, I'll get into some more specifics in a moment. But that was the first lesson is that you can't just put something up and say there's a lot of good information in here, so therefore people are going to want to buy it. Not necessarily the case. You can have the best book in the world, not saying that it was, it wasn't, but you could have the best book in the world. And if it's not marketed well, people don't know. They don't know what's inside the book, so obviously it has to be packaged and positioned properly. Mm -hmm. So the next thing then is I published the 
shorter guide on Amazon Kindle. And that was the one that barely sold any copies. So I go, okay, first of all, how do you create a book that's going to sell? The first thing is, well, is there a market for it? And I say, you know, struggling authors will tend to write a book and then publish it and go, how do I make this into a bestseller? Successful authors will go, what book will become a bestseller? And then they go write that book. They begin with the end in mind. Now, this is Stephen Covey talks about it. This is how NASA plans. You know, they work from the, the end uh, backwards. Sun Tzu in the Art of War says, you know, you basically, you know, you don't go into a battle until you know you're already going to win it. So doing the research and going, what is there a demand for? If there's competition for the kind of book that you want to write, that's, for me, typically more appealing than if there's no other books out there like it. That's scary to me. If there's no other books like this, doesn't mean it couldn't do well. But I like to see that there, if you go on Amazon and you see that there's other books on your topic. So first of all, make sure that there's a demand for it. The second thing, this is probably one of the most important things that I teach, is the number one thing, probably biggest factor for your book sales in terms of um, nothing else you do will matter if you don't get this right. And that is having a title that grabs a person's attention and hooks them in. If your title doesn't hook a person in, and it's really title and, and cover combination, if that doesn't hook a person in, they're not checking out your description. They're not obviously going to buy the book. Nothing else you do matters if you don't have that title and cover combination. Now, if you're a famous author, maybe your name will sell it, right? So there's certainly some exceptions. But for most of us, it's going to be that, that title, subtitle, combination that says, who is this book for? What are they going to get out of it? And here's the other question that people are asking. What makes this different? Why read this book? Read all the other books out there. Right? So an example, to give a, a real-life example uh, of a popular book, you'd have a book called How to Have a Better Relationship and you know, How to Have a Better Love Life, whatever. But the issue with that is it's generic. People have heard that before. This is like it sounds like every other book or, or thing out there versus something like the five love languages. Oh, okay, now it's not new at this day and age, but when it came out, that was a new concept. It was a new spin on something. It's a new way of having a better relationship because it's talking about love languages. My book, um, let's see, one of my books, well, even The Healthy Habit Revolution, which I mentioned, that title maybe isn't the sexiest in the world, but the subtitle is Create Better Habits in Five Minutes a Day. So there's a lot of books out there on creating habits, but nothing that was condensed down into a five-minute-a-day step-by-step approach. So that was the hook for that. Or even the book, uh, one of mine, Why You're Stuck. I could have called the book How to Get Unstuck, and there's other books like that. But just the why question, just a subtle twist on it about like why you're stuck and understanding the you know the the your unique psychological profile about how you actually get yourself stuck and how even smart people get themselves stuck so it's these slight little tweaks uh that can help and one point about this is if you do have a fairly niche book that's another way that you can make it unique so someone had a book it's like how to raise your kids on a raw food diet 
Okay, that's pretty straightforward, and that works because there's just not a ton of other books out there like that. So that can be a very just straightforward benefit, and that works because there's not, again, like millions of, of competing books. You go into something like diet, well, <laughs> that's why you see all these interesting diets, the Mediterranean diet and the, the longevity diet and the, this diet and that diet. They have all these names because that gives it this newness to it, and it gives it this, uh, this unique angle. So people go, ooh, I haven't heard that before. Therefore, I'm curious, and it hooks people in to learn more. So the book title is another thing. And then um, in terms of getting traffic for it, I would say one of the biggest things that I did for my successful book that wasn't there with my less successful uh, books would be I didn't rely on myself. I didn't just go, what can I do? How can I sell this book? I started to ask the question, what can we do? We meaning who are other influencers? Who are other people that I can collaborate with who can help me share the book? And if you look at most uh, that I've seen, New York Times bestselling book launches and big book launches, they typically have other people that are recommending that book, whether they're affiliates or whether they're just friends of the author who are, are happen to help promote. And now all of a sudden, instead of you having to build up this huge audience, which obviously still builds your audience, you now have other people that they have their 1,000, 10,000, maybe 100,000 people on their email list. And when you get them starting to share your book, recommend your book, not only do you get leverage of all those people, but you also get the psychological impact, which is people, you know, if you're the author of a book and you're like, buy my book, it's really good, right? Like people might question that. But if someone else says, a third party says, check this book out, it's amazing. I know for myself. Yeah, I looked at the the last purchases I made on, on Amazon for books. Almost every single one of them came from a recommendation of someone I trusted. It wasn't from just finding it on Amazon or, or things like that. It almost all came from recommendations. So the question is, how can you get other people to collaborate with and, and recommend your book? So, I mean, there's there's more finer details to it than that, but I would, in terms of all the things to do to publish a successful book, but those are some of the biggest key takeaways. Great. Well, that's a great segue into the next section where I want to talk to you about your system for selling truckloads or massive amounts of books. Can you share some of the elements of your system with us? Sure. So one of the easy ways I, uh, I break it down, I have a few different breakdowns, but I'd say you know, three Cs. So first C is collect. And this is the part where you might spend even more time doing this than, than anything else, and it's the thing that struggling authors will probably spend the least time here. So collect is basically collect the research, collect the intelligence. That's that whole process of going what else is out there. And really one of the things that I, I would recommend authors do is give your, get a visceral experience of what it's like to be shopping for books. Now, fortunately, for myself, I just naturally tend to do this because I'm on different people's email lists and I'm browsing Amazon for books, so I, I do it uh, on my own. But still, go beyond where you're checking out other books in in the genre that you're going to write in, and you go, what what covers grab my attention, and then which ones don't? What titles get my interest, and which ones don't? And what descriptions do I like? Which ones do you know don't work for me? Right. So what works and what doesn't work now. 
a caveat here, you might not be your ideal reader. So there is a certain, you know, being able to go, well, just because I like it or don't like it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's the same thing for your reader. But on a, on a principle level, if you see like a really boring title and you go, yeah, I wouldn't be interested in, in even checking that out. Then you go, okay, note to self, whatever they're doing there probably doesn't work, right? And typically you won't see that on the bestseller uh, list. So if you go to the bestseller list and see the top 20 books, chances are a lot of what they're doing is, is working uh, for them, okay? especially if it's a self-published author because they don't have maybe the, uh, all the resources to, to get their book to bestseller status. So they really had to actually work and put, make sure everything was, was done well. So collect the experience, and this is – here's another practical way this plays out. I'm a big believer in email marketing. Right? So building an email list and using email to market your books, your services, uh, anything else that you have to offer. So sometimes I get the question from influencers, entrepreneurs, authors, well, what do I email my audience? And I'm kind of thinking to myself, how is that – like it's a fair question, but I'm like if you were on other people's email lists in your, in your genre – you would have endless inspiration of things. Now, I'm not talking about copying what they do. I'm talking about being inspired by it. Did they tell an interesting success story? And you go, oh, wow, that was a really cool way that they told a, a success story of one of their students. Gee, maybe I could tell a success story of one of my students. Or you know, the way that they described their book was really cool uh, in that description or in that email. Oh, okay, so I could do something similar, right? So if you're on different people's email lists in your genre, even in different genres and different segments of a business or whatever, that's a way that you get inspiration, right? So be absorbing stuff. And so on my music background, uh, you know, just take someone who's never played an instrument before. Imagine taking someone, they've never played an instrument before. They don't know anything about music. You sit them down at a piano and you say, okay, start playing music and invent a new style of music. Like it's, it's probably not going to work out too well or whatever they come up with probably isn't going to be that good. Right. Or you sit a baby at a piano and just have them start playing stuff. They have no rules, so to speak. So it's very creative, but it's going to sound terrible. Instead, the first part of the process is really imitation. You go, okay, let me learn how to play other songs. Let me learn what else has been done before in music. Same thing in business. What else has been done before? What else is out there in the marketplace? You collect those experiences. Then you move on to the second C, which is create. You take that information and you create your book. And the creation process really this is something I learned studying copywriting uh, from Agora, which is a big uh, financial company that they have some of the top copywriters in the world. Their thing is you need a big idea. Okay, so what's your big idea? An ordinary idea is they just create better habits. Uh, a bigger idea, at least, is create them in five minutes a day with this step-by-step -step process, which has taken all the latest breakthroughs in neuroscience and behavior change and distilled them down and spoon-feeds it to you, right? That's more interesting than just create uh, different habits. So now you've got to create your big idea from all of the ingredients that you've gathered. Then, uh, which, by the way, well, how do you do that? Well, I, I wish I could say there's just a magic process, but it takes sometimes weeks of pondering and playing around and, and going, well, what if I did this and that? Or, you know, what's out there in the marketplace? 
what is out there that I can cut out that I don't need? What's the fluff that I don't want to talk about in my book? What's the thing that no one else is talking about that I do want to include in my book? What are the unique stories and experiences that I've had or maybe that I've heard that other people aren't sharing? What's my unique spin? So one of the, the mindset challenges I had when I first started out, they go, well, who's going to want to listen to me? Like I'm just some rock guitar dude who valet parks cars. Like what am I going to say about health and fitness that hasn't been said before? What am I going to say about personal development that Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield and Brendan Burchard, all of them, they, they've said it all, right? It's all been said before. Who am I to share anything? What do I have to offer? And what I realized was that everyone, you have something that no one else has. But what you have is your unique perspective. And I realized that people aren't buying information. They could get an encyclopedia if they wanted information. What people are buying is perspective. They're buying stories. They're buying the entertainment, as it's been called, infotainment. Ben Settle, an email marketer, big on that. Joel Bauer talks about uh, infotainment as well and edutainment. I think Tony Robbins uses that term. So you're bringing in entertainment. You're bringing in stories. You're bringing in a unique perspective. And it, you can even think for yourself if you've ever had an experience where maybe you've heard an idea like 50 or 100 times before, but someone says it. In just a particular way, maybe their wording, maybe their tonality, maybe the context that it was put in, and it finally just clicks for you. So they needed to say it. It doesn't matter how many other people have said it before. And it's the same thing with your message, that you have your unique perspective, and that's part of the value that you have to offer. So quick recap, you collect all the ingredients, you collect the experiences, you then you create your big idea and figure out how you're going to add your unique perspective to it. And then finally, there's the, the promotion process, which is really about collaboration, they said. So that's collaborating with other influencers to help promote your book. That's collaborating with your readers to invite them to share the book and to uh, share testimonials. That's collaborating with websites that promote books and running advertising on them. Again, it's that idea of it's not just what can I do, it's what can we do. That's the essence of that mindset, and that's how you get leverage because it's really uh, – there's no way to do it without it being a co-creative process. If you don't have someone buying your book, you're not going to have a best-selling book. So you have to collaborate with the readers uh, and invite them in to getting the book and ideally even recommending the book and, and sharing it with more people. Um, and again, you know, obviously there's a lot of nitty-gritty details that could take hours to get into of, of all of these things. That's the high-level overview of the process from beginning to creation to launch and ongoing sales. And it, it all comes down to these three C's, collect the information, create your big idea, and collaborate with others who can help you promote your book. Exactly. Wow, that's great. And is that essentially what you did to get to bestseller, or were there some other steps that, that you did as well? I would say underneath those uh, umbrellas, there's specific things. So like I said, um, you know, running advertisements is something that's it's more common now. So running on book promotion sites, right, that's something that helps drive sales. Uh, building the email list and then promoting to the email list uh, is important. I didn't have a big email list when I started. 
that's where the collaboration was especially important. I had some other people that emailed and, and shared my book. Um, but since then, building an email list has been, uh, I would say, essential. Uh, it's just really the asset that you have as an online entrepreneur. That's what you own, and that's what can drive sales, again, to your books, to products, to services, all kinds of things on demand. So there's, there's pieces to each of these, uh, these processes. And for instance, in the creation process, it helps to know that there's a few different types of books out there. Um, so if you, instead of creating something from scratch, this is partly where the collect and the create start to merge, you start to collect what are kind of some templates for books. So one of my books, Why Authors Fail, is 17 mistakes self-published authors make that sabotage their success and how to fix them. What is that? 17 mistakes. It's a number type of book. It's a series of tips and insights. So there are certain books that can have, have that formula of like it's a number of things, it's 101 ways to do blank, it's, uh, it's this or that. And then some other books are more of a step-by-step -step process of like start to finish, here's what you do, do it. So you can look at other books for inspiration about how you want your book to be. Another book could be kind of a inspirational memoir, right? And one of the challenges is if a person, especially if they've never written a book, just trying to sit there and look at a blank page, it's going to be really, really challenging, even for me. So having other books to model, if even, again, you don't copy the, the content, but you can look and model the structure of the book. So having that is one of the things that you want to collect, and then you have the skeleton, if you will, that you start to fill in uh, your content into, into that book. So those are a few more just practical ways of applying some of those those three C's. Now, book sales are great, but there's a lot of other things that you can do once you have a book. And you mentioned how you took some of your books and uh, built online courses around them. Talk a little bit about book leverage. How do you leverage a book and get a lot more out of it than just the, the sales of the book itself? Yeah, so I love book sales. Uh, I'm big on, on selling books. I don't really want to create all the work of doing a book if it's not going to sell at the same time. So I don't necessarily adopt the belief that a book is nothing more than a business card. I think a book can be a lot more than a business card. Books have changed my life. So I have more love and passion for books and what one does with a book than just treating it as a, as a throwaway business card. At the same time, I completely appreciate the mindset that where that comes from, and that is books typically by themselves aren't going to really do uh, – it's not going to make someone rich, uh, depending on their definition of rich. It's probably not going to be the sole thing uh, that drives their business, although some people do have book-based businesses, but typically that's because they have 10, 20, 30-plus books, right, and they, they just crank out books. But if that's not what you want to do, then just having a book or even a couple books isn't usually going to be enough financially. It's the doors that it opens for you. It's the leads that it generates for you to have other products and services. So to mention courses are one great way. That's where most of my income comes from are course sales, whether myself or affiliates. Uh, and I'm very selective about the affiliates and the things that I, I promote. So having your book, it's just very important that your book drives people to an email list, especially if you sell on Amazon. 
if someone's never published a book on Amazon, uh, then one thing to realize is that you don't get the buyer information. You don't know who's bought your book. You don't get their email address. You don't get their name. You don't get a way to follow up with them. So there needs to be something inside your book, an offer, an, an enticing offer, even to the point of you're trying to sell this opt-in offer even more than you're trying to sell the book. And I know I could do an even better job at that, but that's part of the mindset is that if they just buy the book, cool, okay, but that's not really where the, the heart of your business is at. The book is a gateway into getting to know, like, and trust you into getting a person in the proper mindset of what they need to know uh, maybe before they work with you and then ultimately getting them into your community, into your tribe, preferably through an email list, but it could also, in addition, be on social media and stuff. And then from there is where you can offer them, uh, you know, the, the courses and the coaching uh, and things like that. So that's, that's the overview. I mean, if you have specific questions about like, what do you do with courses or, or things like that, uh, happy to get into it. But that's basically how I see books tying into courses and other services. Right. Well, absolutely. You need to have something in your book. In fact, kind of recommend to my authors that they have two or three or sometimes even more of these great um, ethical bribes or enticing opportunities, however you want to refer to them, because not everybody gets to the end of the book. So if you have this at the end, then some people won't see it. Um, if you have one at the beginning that some of your readers aren't terribly interested in, well, then they're not going to uh, give you their contact information in order to get whatever it is you're giving away, but there might be something else that they're more interested in later in the book. Uh, so if you can have a couple of these, not too many, because you don't want the, the book to be too salesy, but, um, but it's a good idea to have multiple um, of these opt-in opportunities sprinkled in your book. Absolutely. Yeah, because, uh, again, the mindset is getting the opt-in is, in some ways, more important than the actual book sale itself. So the more opportunities you have, and someone who I saw do a great job of this, and, again, this comes from the collection process to see what else he's done, uh, Kevin Cruz, and I believe it's in his book on time management, he actually, at the end of each chapter, he had a special bonus that he created for each chapter of the book. So in a way that was very elegant, at the end of each chapter, it's like, you know, go here to download you know, your, the bonus for this chapter, he had whatever the bonus was and the, you know, enticing opportunity that it was, as you say. And, you know, it all led to basically one main opt-in page. But that way, if maybe the bonus that they saw at the beginning, at the end of chapter one or chapter two wasn't necessarily a great thing, by the time they get to chapter three and it's the bonus that they really want, they go, ooh, I definitely want to get that. And through repeated exposure and then also it hitting the mark for that particular bonus, then they'd be more likely to go opt in. And I thought that was a, I haven't applied that yet myself, but I thought that was a, a genius way of, of going about doing it if it could work for someone's book. Right. Yeah, there's, there's so many different ways that you can have these in your book. You can just have a simple subscribe to my newsletter for more tips. You can have uh, checklists. You can have assessment forms. You can have white papers. You can have consultations. Uh, there's, a zillion different types of uh, opt-in opportunities out there. Um, you can even have updates to the book. I have one author uh, recently published a book on trends, and 
it, he had in pretty much after the end of each chapter. Uh, for updates to this trend, go to, and he had a link to his website where he was going to be keeping the, uh, the trends up to date. So it was going to drive traffic uh, to his site as well as getting him the, the contact information from his readers. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. And one thing that I've done is uh, create an action guide, like a workbook that people can download. So that is in um, the book I mentioned, Healthy Habit Revolution. It becomes a practical thing now. It's like, okay, you, since you're doing these things each day, you have a, a checklist, which was part of it. So you have your daily checklist, your daily action guide. And uh, that, that got a pretty uh, good opt-in rate and conversion because it's now a very practical uh, thing to work with the book. Or alternatively, uh, in addition, some people also offer a workbook that they sell in addition to a book. So that's another great way of another revenue generator or either a way to opt in for a PDF workbook or a, uh, an actual physical workbook that people can get with a book. And now you can turn one sale into, into two sales potentially. Right, yeah. Uh, so, Derek, what's next for you? Have, do you have something that you're currently doing and that, that you're looking to, uh, to get into with all the things that, um, that you've been doing so far? Yeah, the next big focus is on really simplifying the the process for people who who might not be writers. You know, if, if someone's a speaker, for instance, and they're very good at speaking out the book, which I find is, is very common uh, for people to be more of a natural speaker than a writer. And for myself, my actual – my very first book was something that I I recorded videos, and then I basically listened to the videos, and I – more or less transcribed them, although I kind of reworded some stuff as I was writing it down. And that was how I got into writing, right? So what I find a big challenge for many people is they go into writer mode, and then they go, they're flashing back to, I guess, like high school or college, and then things start to sound really academic, and it's like not at all how they talk, and it reads uh, kind of uh, stiff, or um, it doesn't have the flow to it. That if, they, if I just talk to them, They'll tell their story. They'll give tips, and it just all comes out beautifully. So you go, okay. Um, and I'm not the first person to think of this. There's plenty of other people who who've done, you know, kind of like talk your book out and then uh, transcribe it. But creating a process from start to finish of how someone can very quickly go, even if they're just starting out, identify how do you produce content the best. This is something called author archetypes, where you go, you know, are you the expert, meaning you have all the knowledge? Are you more of a reporter? meaning you're reporting what other people do, or you may it more like a Tim Ferriss type, or maybe you're the guinea pig and the experimenter, where it's partly your knowledge and experience, but also partly leveraging what other people do. Um, so there's these different kind of archetypes. So when you understand what the value is that you bring and, and what your strengths are, then you can really focus on that and, and bring that out. And, and again, for instance, some people might say, hey, this is everything from my experience. Some people might have a really good storytelling ability. Other people might just be very good resources. They're like, hey, I don't have any expertise on this, but I can tell you all about where to find more information on X and on Y and on Z. And they've just gathered a bunch of information. And again, that's more the reporter type. So you understand who you are. You understand how to best get that message out, especially if you're not a writer. And then you very quickly build an audience and leverage other people's audience to um, create the book and then launch it to, uh, to bestseller status. So I'm working out the details of that, and that's going to be my next um, big project 
And uh, if it could be done, if it could be done in uh, a very you know quick amount of time, that's the goal. Is something that you could do a produce a book even in a in a day's time or less. And uh, my my one caveat, it's got to be high quality. So some of the the real produce a book quickly things, I got to make sure it's high quality. And uh, if I can pull it off, that would be the next project. But either way, uh, regardless of the time frame, the focus on helping speakers. Uh, and people like that who aren't writers get their book out. That's where I'm going to be focusing my energy next. Great. And do you have a time frame for uh, when you when you envision that coming out? Uh, well, I already have some of the, the beta users who are, who are signed up. I've yet to start recording the first training module, but that should be uh, at some point this year. I'm going to be getting started in the next month or so and then see if I either launch it um, – you know, it could be in a few months. It could be more closer to the end of the year. We'll see on that. Wow, very good. Excellent. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to share with the, the listeners today? Um, I think we covered, you know, most of the most of the big big things. I would say if, if it all feels overwhelming, uh, which I know it, it has felt that way for me at times. It can seem overwhelming. You know, there's one, one shortcut, and that is to get a mentor, get a coach, get someone who can guide you through the process. And I have invested uh, a lot in the coaches, and it makes the process so much easier, not just because they tell you what you, what you can do and what to do, but more because it's, for me, it helped me realize what not to focus on at the moment. And sometimes that's more of a benefit when there's like, okay, there's 87 things I can do, and maybe they told me to do three things that I had already heard about, but because it's only those three things, I can now actually do it as opposed to like chasing a bunch of shiny objects and, and trying to figure out um, which direction to go in. So your life gets a lot easier to get a mentor or coach to guide you. Definitely. Uh, I work with a lot of business owners who are writing books, and while they have the expertise that can get captured in the book, they may not have the expertise in writing the book, and they certainly don't have the expertise in editing or cover design or layout or the other things that can help get their book to publication. And yet so, so many people want to do everything themselves. It's going to take more of their time. It's not going to get done the best way, um, and that's kind of a waste. So getting getting um, getting experienced mentors or book coaches or or other professionals is is really a great way to, for people to get their book done in a quality manner and a lot quicker. Exactly, and it reminds me of one of my mentors, Brandon Broadwater. He was considering back early in his uh, journey, he had a lot of success with real estate. But before he got into real estate, he was at a seminar and. He, he wanted to invest in a, in a training that was going to teach him how to do real estate. And so his wife, I think her name's Leslie, she, he, she was the conservative one. So he's, he's talking to her and she's like, do you really want to do this? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to do this. Uh, but, you know, I don't, you know, we don't really have a lot of money and stuff right now. And so she actually encouraged him. She said, well, you can either spend your money learning or lose your money learning. Either way, you're going to learn. 
So he realized that, you know, if he tries to figure this out on its own, it's going to cost him a lot more money and probably time than if he just invested in his education. And so it's the same thing. When you invest in your education, like if you're, if you're committed to doing it, you'll figure it out. Uh, but it could end up costing you a lot more time and money than just hiring someone uh, who's figured it all out for you. Right, definitely. Okay, well, is there anything that you want to wrap up with? If there's one thing that you want the listeners, for instance, to take away from this interview, what would that takeaway be? I'll just say what I, what I said again uh, there, and that is you know, invest in, in your education. That's what made the difference for me. Even when I was a broke valet parker, I spent, and it was actually Brandon Broadwater, who's the event that, that made the difference for me. So I spent a couple years actually making payments to attend that, but I didn't have, uh, you know, a lot of ex- extra money. But if I didn't do that, I look back, I'm like, I don't know if I ever would have had that breakthrough if I didn't learn what I needed to know. Because there's so many things that, there's the things that I, I don't even know that I don't know. There's the things that you don't know that you don't know. And that's where a mentor or a guide or even if it's just training courses or books or, or something like that, um, that can help enlighten you. And so also just an acknowledgement for you, obviously, if you're listening to this, you clearly value your education. Otherwise, you wouldn't have listened to this and, and invested your time into this. So uh, an acknowledgement and thank you for, for tuning in and listening to this, uh, this presentation. Great. Excellent. Well, Derek, I really appreciate your being with us today. You've shared some terrific tips for our audience. How can people get in touch with you if they have some more questions for you? The best way is they can, well, you can email me, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at bestsellersecrets.com. And you can also get a copy of my book, Why Authors Fail for Free, at bestsellersecrets.com. And when you're on there, there's a, there's a, a daily newsletter, a lot of tips and things on uh, on self-publishing. Uh, don't don't sign up for the newsletter unless you want to get uh, consistent you know tips in your inbox. This is like uh, I am a big believer in in um, in daily emails. And so for some people, they're like, oh, that's too much. Well, you're not going to be a, a good fit uh, for this. But if you like to get a free book and uh, stories and insights and things on, on self-publishing and and all that, then, uh, again, that's our bestsellersecrets.com. Terrific. So, again, just make sure everybody got that. You can get Derek's free ebook, Why Authors Fail, at his website, bestsellersecrets.com, as well as getting signing up for his daily newsletter of tips and stories. Thank you so much again, and uh, I really appreciate your, your wisdom and sharing with our audience today. Yeah, thank you again, Judy.